Good morning, everybody. So good to be with all of you again. Every now and then I get a chance to bring the word of God to you. Um, and uh, let me pray. Let me pray so we get started. <clears throat> Holy Father, we come before your glorious presence, Lord, just remembering what you've done for us, what you did for us on that cross, to praise you forevermore. And Lord, this morning I, I pray, Lord, that you will speak to all of us. Uh, Father, I pray that the words that will come out of my mouth will be your words. That whatever comes out, Lord, is your heart. And I pray, Lord, that you will pierce our hearts this morning. Lord, just help us get it. Help us understand who you are. Help us understand how beautiful you are and how much you love us. So speak to us this morning, Lord. Open our eyes, our hearts, our minds, our ears, our spirits. And let us rejoice in your word. Let us rejoice in your son, Jesus. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. Your staff and your rod, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I guess by now you know it's Psalms 23, since it's up there. <coughs> we, all, we all are very familiar with Psalm 23. It's been probably for 3,000 years, one of the most well-known Psalms. There's 150 of them, and this one, you go to a funeral, people read it. Somebody's sick, you read it. Somebody's not feeling well, you read it. Somebody's fearful, you read it. We quote it. Even people who are, don't believe in God, sometimes they quote it. I remember uh, back in 9-11 when <clears throat> the President George Bush went before TV and, and told, told us about what was going on, and, and he recited Psalm 23. I remember my, my wife says that her father, when he was a young man in school, they used to memorize it in school. Powerful, powerful psalm. <clears throat> Early this week, Ryan sent me a text, and he said, uh, would you like to preach your favorite uh, psalm this Sunday? I'm like, of course. So as soon as he told me that he, somebody else was supposed to preach, the guy didn't show up, so I'm his backup plan, I guess. And... Um, as soon as he told me that, I, was, I, I, I thought of Psalm 23. And I know most of us are kind of jaded when it comes to this psalm because we hear it so much. But it is my favorite psalm. It's powerful. It's inspiring. It's convicting. It's just a beautiful psalm from the, from the, from the heart of a king. And it just... 
when he told me, I was so excited. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to do something with three. I preached this like three years ago in another church. I was invited to preach there, and I did that. And I wanted to do it again. This is powerful. Um, I think of a king who had it all. Power, wealth, authority, relationships. He had everything a man could ever want. Anything you asked for, he had it. And he, I, I believe he, he wrote this towards the end of his life, in the later years of his life. Because a young, a young King David, I don't think he would have written this, this uh, psalm. But it's wonderful, it's beautiful, right? And I'd like to go back to where it all began a little bit before I get into it. In the ninth book of, of the Old Testament, a book with the title First Samuel, we read the story of this young boy who was called to serve God from a very young age. And he became a priest, a prophet, and a judge in the nation of Israel. Wonderful, godly man. A man of integrity. A man that when he died, the whole people of Israel mourned. They were sad that they lost Samuel. And in chapter 16, we read that God calls him. He says, yo, I don't think he said yo, but he called him, right? And he said to him, I want you to go to Bethlehem to anoint the next king of Israel. At this point, the king of Israel was Saul. He was a mess. He was a horrible king. And God said to Samuel, I want you to go and choose the next king because I am tired of Saul. And what happened is the people of Israel got to the point where they kept saying, we want a king, we want a king. And God says, I am your king. You don't need a human king. I am your king. But they were persistent. They said, we want a human king like all the other nations. So God says, okay, here we go. You have Saul. And again, he, wa he was a disaster as a king. So God says to Samuel, go to Bethlehem, to the house of Jesse. He has eight sons. I am going to pick the next king of Israel. So he goes to Bethlehem, shows up at Jesse's house, and he tells him, I, I, I've come to, to sacrifice to the Lord, to have a feast, to celebrate the new king. Have you and your kids, your sons, uh, uh, consecrate themselves cleanse themselves because we're going to have a party. We're going to celebrate. So Jesse goes, grabs the sons, brings them in the house, and he brings the Eli, the first one. And Samuel says, surely this is the one. Tall, handsome, the oldest. And God says to Samuel, do not look at the outer appearance. That's what you men, that's what you humans do. He says, I look at the heart. I look at the heart of man. That's what he's concerned about, our hearts. And I asked you this a few months ago, when I, the last time I think I preached here. 
What does your heart say to God this morning? What is your heart today? When God looks at your heart, does your heart say, Lord, you're everything to me. Lord, I love you. Yeah, every now and then I fail and I make mistakes, but Lord, I love you and I desire you more than anything. Or is your heart saying, I desire the things of the world a little bit more? He knows your heart. He knows my heart. So he says to Samuel, I look at the heart, not at the outer appearance. He says, I don't care how well you look on the outside, how well kept you might look, and, and how impressive you might look to the rest of your friends. God says, I want your heart. So he, he, Jesse brings the next one, and the next one, and seven of them. Nay, 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 none, none of them. So Simon says to Jesse, there's got to be one more. Well, something has happened. There's no, no, you have another one. And Jesse says, yes, the youngest one. He says, behold, he keeps the sheep. He's a shepherd. You don't think God is going to pick a shepherd, do you? The youngest? There's no way. And he says, we're not going to sit to celebrate or to eat anything until you bring David. And I can imagine they went out to get him out in the field, and it's taking some time because he's way out there, right? And I can see the father and the brother saying, oh, you got to be kidding me. I am better than David. I have better sons than David. And I can see when he finally walks into the house, smelly, dirty, sweaty. And I love where God says to Samuel, he says, arise, anoint him. This is he. Can you imagine? We come to God like that, a little dirty, a little smelly, and he welcomes us. We have a beautiful God that loves us so much that he cleanses us with the blood of Christ. You don't have to come to him all clean and I have to get my life straight. No, he come as you are. He cleanses you. And, I, and, I, and every time I read that text that he, say, that he says, arise, anoint him, this is he. I always think of us Christians, us who are truly walking with Christ, those who have the spirit of God dwelling in you, don't let the world define who you are. Let God define who you are. You are his child. You are a child of the living God. So whether you go to the store, whether you go to work, whether you go to your friend's your neighbor's house, wherever you go, remember who you are. You are a child of the living God. That should give you confidence to walk this life. And say, the Spirit of God dwells in me. That is powerful. That is powerful. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It takes a shepherd to understand the great shepherd. 
It is amazing that God picks a shepherd to write this psalm. A young man who understood exactly the role of the shepherd and the role of the sheep. And he calls God his shepherd because he knows he nourishes him. He nourishes him. He watches over him. He protects them. He loves them. And he says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want the king of Israel who had anything and everything anybody ever wanted. He says, I don't care. I have him. My shepherd. That's all I want. For him to take care of me and for me to follow him. That's what he wanted. He clearly understood the role of the shepherd. I think of Paul in the, in the book of Philippians, where he says, But whatever was my profit, I consider a loss for the sake of Christ. He says, What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing grains of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage, rubbish, that I might gain Christ and be found in Him. The Apostle Paul got it. He understood who Christ was, who Christ is. He says, compared to Christ, everything else is nothing. He says, I want to be found in him. And then he says, I want to know Jesus in the power of his resurrection. Because he understood who his Savior is. So he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall know one. What else do I need? He makes me lay down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still waters. Yeah, I, I can imagine David when he was a, a shepherd and he remembers those sheep that would just lay there at peace. And the green pastures and, and, and the still waters. A sheep, they said, they, they will not drink. If the river is going too fast or the waters are too fast, they're afraid of that. So King David, or David, when he was a shepherd, he would take the sheep to these still waters and the green pastures, and the sheep would just lay there, knowing that the shepherd would take care of them. They knew that the shepherd was all about them and for them. That was his job. And he says, he restores my soul. And again, I can imagine us. There are times that our souls are broken. There are times that our souls are just sometimes in darkness because of what's going on around us. And he says, he restores, he refreshes my soul. That is who he is. When you go to him, Anytime you're going through some, maybe, troubles, he wants to restore your soul. That's who he is. He says, he leads me, beside, he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Uh, and God has given us works to do. 
God says, I have, I have prepared these works for you to do. So as we walk these works, uh, as we walk them, we, we glorify him. He says, I'll help you, I'll equip you. I want you to live a righteous life. Some people say that Christian life is difficult. Of course it is, compared to your whole life, my whole life, of course it's difficult. But he has given us the tools, everything that we need so that we can walk righteously before him. So that when he says to you, you and me walking right before him, he says, well done. And you know what we do when we do that? We glorify him. He is all the glory. And that we, isn't that what we want? That when people see you, the way we behave, the way we treat each other, don't we want people to say, they, they walk with Jesus. They are with Jesus. They're walking with their God. Even though I walk to the valley of shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. We live in a broken world. God made it perfect. We messed it up with our sin. But so because of that, we walk through dark valleys at times in our lives. Pain, suffering, mourning, sorrow. It's going to come. But he says, he says, I have no fear because he knows that God is with him. If you're going through something today, if you're going through a season of, of pain, maybe darkness, don't fear. He's with you. He loves you. He wants to take care of you. It's amazing that. You know, it makes me think of uh, Joseph in the Old Testament, that his brothers sold him as a slave. He was accused falsely and ended up in jail. All the darkness that he went through, and at the end, God lifted him up. Daniel, they accuse him again, another one, and he goes to the den of lions. The lions don't touch him. He comes alive the next day. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they're sending to the fire, the furnace, in the fiery furnace, the king Nebuchadnezzar says, throw them in the fire. And as he's looking, he says, there were three, we, we threw three, and there's one more with them. That looks like the son of God. God was with them. He got him out. Whatever you're going through today, God wants to help you get out. He doesn't want you to stay there. Because he loves you. He's a shepherd. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And that's because it all comes together as, as there's shadows. We walk through the dark shadows and dark valleys. And, and, and he's there with his weapons. The King David, remember when he was a shepherd, but he would use the staff and the rod to, to protect the sheep. It's amazing. Yeah, I remember, he, there's a story where he's telling King Saul before he confronts Goliath. He says, I used to I kill a bear and a lion with my hands. 
I have the weapons to, to, to protect my sheep. God has the weapons to protect us, you, to get you out of the darkness. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You ever feel that you're surrounded by the enemy? And you just can't get out, and you, you feel that everybody's talking about you, or, or, or you're being accused, or whatever's going on, that you feel surrounded by enemies. King David says, I f when that happens, he prepares a table. He wants to be intimate with me. He wants me to come and dine with him and spend time with him and glare at his face and, and stare at his eyes and say, Lord, help me here. Uh, the enemies are around me. It's a beautiful picture of having an intimate meal with the Lord. He says, I don't care who's around me. God is saying to, to David, don't worry who's around you. Come to me. He says, you anoint my head with oil. Back in those days, when somebody came to visit, they're walking through the desert, maybe, with the heat, and the dust, and the bugs, and whatever else. And people would wash your feet, but also they would anoint your head with oil to refresh you. So again, David is seeing this picture of him, the enemies around him, he said, I don't care, I've, got, I've come to dine with my father, with my Lord, with my shepherd. And he refreshes me when, I, when I'm with him. I am so refreshed. I don't care who's around me, who's talking about me, who hates me. Here I am with him. But he says, my cup overflows. That is the most beautiful picture. Because when someone came to visit, they gave him a drink to refresh them. And he says, that cup that he gives me, full of his love, goodness, his peace, his joy, the hope that I have in him, his mercy and his grace, my cup overflows. Lord, you are amazing. You're so wonderful. Look at my cup. You refresh me like no one else. That's what he does. And as a cup is overflowing, you don't want to waste that. How about we share that with others? And, and we can bring this joy, this peace, this hope that God gives us. The, the mercies and grace of God is here. Share it with others. We have, it overflows. Don't, let's not waste it. But he is amazing. David, again, dining with the shepherd, with God, and feeling so refreshed. And so, in such a wonderful, wonderful place. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. The goodness of God. The mercies of God. You ever taste them? They're so good. 
are so good. The goodness of God that he sends his son to live among us, to live the perfect life that when God sees me, it's as if I live that life. Isn't that crazy? That's his goodness. And then, not just that, but he goes to a cross to take the punishment that I deserve. Because I, I didn't deserve his forgiveness. But he gives me, he, he takes, he punishes his son in my place. That's his goodness. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever given your life to him? Have you ever truly surrendered to the blood of Christ to taste his goodness and his mercy? Because again, mercy, what is mercy? We don't get what we deserve. I hate to tell you this, but we all deserve to go to hell. And that's the truth. Because we're sinners. And God cannot coexist with sinners. But in his goodness, in his love, in his mercy, he gives us his son, his greatest treasure, he gives it to us. So that we can be in Him forgiven, redeemed. Because He goes on to say, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a beautiful promise. King David knew it. He knew exactly why, because God told him. He, gave, he made a covenant with King David. And he said, there will be a king that will come from your body, from yourself, from your line. One day that king will ring forever. That king one day will have a kingdom will, that will never end. He will have authority and power. A kingdom that cannot be shaken. King David understood, he says, a king coming from me? An eternal king? And I will dwell with him for eternity? That is the goodness and the mercy of God. And I ask you again, have you tasted that yet? Have you made that decision to say enough of this life? Enough of this mess. Enough of this pain. Lord, help me. And, and we look at the promises of God. And dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What an amazing psalm. Again, of a of a man in his older years, possibly, 
king who realized who God is. And he writes this psalm 3,000 years ago. And as we look at it today, I hope that encourages you. I hope that it lifts you up to understand that we have a beautiful shepherd that cares deeply for all of us. Because we, the scripture says, like sheep have gone to scatter everywhere with my shepherd. And he's calling us. Do you hear his voice? He's calling every single one of us. He's saying to me, repent. Turn to me. Receive the gift of my son. And live in the house of the Lord forever. What we're going to do next, we're going to do a communion and some people are going to get up and they're going to pass the elements and, and I just I ask you to please hang on to them don't take them right away we're going to take them together uh, so if this is maybe today the first time you might say to yourself you know what I want God to be my shepherd I want Christ to be my shepherd maybe today is the day or what is known as salvation. Maybe today is the first time you really gonna take the cup in that in that cracker and truly understand that today is the day that God touched your heart and that He wants you to come. He wants you to walk with Him, to follow Him. Maybe today is the day you're gonna recommit and say, you know, Lord, I've been I've been like a, that sheep that, that was lost. And I want to go back to you, to, for you to be my shepherd. Maybe today is that day. So let me pray, and then uh, we'll, we'll continue with this. Holy Father, we come before your glorious presence, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this beautiful psalm that was written by a powerful king 3,000 years ago. A king that finally understood in his later years, who you are, what you've done. And Father, I pray this morning for all of us. I know there are people, Lord, that are still in that valley of darkness, of pain and sorrow. I lift them up to you, Father, and I ask you, Lord, that you will help them. Because the, the valley, you walk across this valley, there's an end to it. May you help them come to the other side, Lord. May you guide them and lead them. May you tell them, I love you. I want you to, 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 I want to restore your life. Father, I pray for those who will be going into those valleys, possibly all of us, Father. We all go through the valleys in this life. And I pray, Lord, that you will prepare us. Because sometimes they come when we least expect them. Give us the heart, the strength to overcome. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your goodness and your mercies. Thank you for that cup that overflows 
for your beauty, for your grace and mercy. Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for Jesus. <laughs>